would be great. Having some technical issues, just give me a second. Um, welcome to autumn. How cold is it today? Just turn to the person next to you and say, Well done for getting out of bed this morning. Brilliant. Welcome to Jubilee. My name's Dan. I'm one of the leaders here today uh, at the church. And obviously I've come to this, so just warn me if I, if I start to do this. Just like, do this. Do this to me to remind me to put the microphone up. Uh, it's great to have you here with us this morning. Special welcome if you're new, if you're visiting. Uh, I hope you've been made to feel welcome. Do stay around at the end to uh, introduce yourself to us. We'd love to get to know you better. Just to apologise for the confusion with the prayer meetings. Uh, I was half asleep when I did the PowerPoint slide, and it is actually half past seven on Tuesday morning that we're praying. So it's on the booklets. What says on the booklets is right. Uh, ignore the screen. We're meeting at half past seven on Tuesday morning, so please do join us then. Uh, so last week, uh, Steve started our new series in which we are looking at the values of uh, Regions Beyond, which is the family of churches that we're in relationship with. And um, what we're going to be doing over this term is we're going to be taking each, uh, each value and we're just going to be looking at what it means for us uh, to embrace that value. And the hope is that as a church we will uh, understand our identity within regions beyond which will help us as a church uh, grow and reach the city, uh, the regions and the nations with the gospel. And today I'm uh, looking at the second of those values, uh, and I just wanted to say that it's not in any Im order of importance, um, but they all form, an ident form part of who we are as a church in regions beyond. And the value that I'm going to look at today is that we are faithful to Scripture. So that is that we are committed to the faithful preaching and teaching of Scripture as our first and final authority. Now, when it talks about scripture, what it is saying is it's talking about the words written in, in the pages of the Bible. So what the value is saying is that above all else, we value the words of this book and it has final authority in our lives. And I don't know what you think about the Bible today. You may think it's, uh, it's important, but you struggle to read it. You may not understand it. You may think it is boring. You may think it is irrelevant. Lots of people, even in churches, uh, don't understand how a book written so long ago can have such an influence on people. We, we, see, these, we see the stories of Jesus, uh, we see the parables, we see there's some good uh, advice for living, but really we're not going to base our lives on it, surely. We're not going to allow it to have final authority. And the word authority is, is really interesting. Because throughout the Bible, God intends his creation, us, to live a life of complete wholeness. A Hebrew word called shalom. Now, in English, shalom can be translated as peace. But I think the word peace misses it. Because sometimes we see the word peace and we just think an absence of war. 
But the word shalom um, incorporated much more than that. It was complete wholeness, living life in every aspect as God intended. So God gives authority to people throughout the Bible in order to establish shalom, to live as we intended. But the problem is, uh, as humans, we don't like authority, do we? Who likes authority? We see Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and they are told they can eat whatever they want, but he gives them one rule. He sets the boundaries. He says, I have, I have authority, and you can do whatever you want, just as one fruit on one tree, just don't eat that one. But they say, they, we, they have anything, they can choose anything, but they say, no, no, we, we don't like God having authority. We want to be in control, so we're going to disobey him. And we're going to eat the fruit that he forbidden. And since that point, we have rejected God's authority in our lives. And we have rejected the authority that God put, gives people over us. You must see that is true. If I put a big red button on the floor in front of me and said, do not press, what would you all want to do? You'd want to press the button. If you go out for a walk and you're walking down the footpath and you see a sign like this, what do you want to do? You want to walk on the grass. You went out in the morning and you had no, int- you, didn't go, you didn't wake up and think, you know what I want to do today? I want to walk on some grass. You didn't, like, you didn't go out of the house going, what I really want to do is walk on some grass. Suddenly you see this sign and all you can think about is, I want to walk on the grass. Because we don't like authority. We don't like to be told what to do. We see authority and we want to reject it. And since Adam and Eve, Uh, We have all rejected authority many, many times. And we don't like authority because it threatens our independence. We want to be free and we want to do what we want to do. However, as Christians, when we choose to follow Jesus, we recognize that someone else is in control and it's not us. We recognize that Jesus is our king and therefore we are living under his rule in his kingdom. So when we say that the Bible has first and final authority, it seems a little bit uncomfortable, but that is just because we understand authority in a wrong way. We live in a world that delights and sometimes even celebrates rejection of authority. And so this morning, I want to look at why scripture is our authority and why we are so committed to the preaching and teaching of scripture here at Jubilee and in regions beyond. So firstly, why is scripture our first and final authority? Who's read any of this? Put your hand up. It's an incredible read. It has history. It has poetry. It has letters and stories and parables. Uh, The Guinness um, World Records say it's impossible to know how many copies of the Bible have been sold, but they are in no doubt that it is the best-selling book of all time. But is it more than just a good read? As I've already said, as Christians, we have a king who is in charge and we are in his kingdom. Jesus is our king and he has authority in our lives. Now, how we have come to know Jesus is really, really important. Because many people outside of the church think that we have decided that the Bible is an important book. We read our Bibles and we find Jesus saying he's God and therefore we follow him. Because the Bible tells me to. However, that's not what we're doing. 
we meet Jesus, revealed to us through scripture and personal experience, and then we follow scripture because we believe in Jesus. And, and that is the reason why so many people can read the Bible and they just find some good morals, some interesting stories. Because without meeting Jesus, it is just a book to them. Scripture has authority because Jesus of Nazareth believed divine, uh, divine authority was expressed through, firstly, Hebrew scriptures, secondly, his own teaching and actions, and thirdly, the teachings and actions of those he delegated as apostles. Therefore, when we open the Bible, we find a collection of Hebrew scriptures from Genesis to Malachi. We then find Jesus' own teaching and actions, Matthew to John. And then we find the teachings and actions of those Jesus delegated as his apostles from Acts to Revelation. And all of them have authority because we follow Jesus as our king. And he says they hold divine authority. Therefore, we must accept and embrace the authority of the Bible. Not just the bits we like or just the words that Jesus said, but scripture in its entirety. In a short while, I'm going to give you a little bit of application about how to handle this book and allow it to have authority in your life. But first, I want you to understand that we believe Scripture has authority because we believe in Jesus. And that, that means that those who don't believe in Jesus cannot be expected to have this book as authority in their lives. Therefore, for those outside of the church, our aim is not to impose the authority of Scripture on people but it is instead about training Jesus. We are committed to scripture. It has authority in our lives because we follow Jesus. So why are we committed to preaching and teaching of the gospel? Well, firstly, because it reveals who God is. We all know how uh, important communication is in relationships. We see the breakdown in relationships happen so often because we don't learn to communicate well. Um, I've been married for uh, just over four years and to, to Rachel at the back and, and she's, we've had to learn how to communicate well. And part of learning to communicate is that I need to listen when she speaks. Yeah? If I constantly ignore her or constantly interrupt her, I don't know why she's laughing at the back. Uh, if I constantly ignore her or constantly interrupt her, then quickly we have issues. And, and if I really want to know Rachel, then I prioritize hearing her voice. The same is true if we want to know God. If we want to know God, then we need to hear his voice. And the primary way that God speaks to his people is through the Bible. Scripture from the very beginning is a story about God and his people. Right at the start, in Genesis 1, 1 to 3, we find God speaking. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. You see, right at the start of the Bible, we find God speaking. God speaks and the world comes into existence. And from that moment we see God speaking throughout scripture and he is revealing who he is. Every time he speaks he reveals more of his character. 
God reveals himself to Moses at the burning bush and, and asks Moses to go to his people, the Israelites, who are in Egypt. Moses responds to God in Exodus 3, verse 13, and says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to them, to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God speaks and reveals. And we see it time and time again in scripture that God wants, God wants his people to know him so he speaks. If you want to know God today, then open scripture and read who he is. And we understand who God is. As we understand who God is, we understand who we are. And we understand what God is doing with us and all of creation. Scripture is about knowing God. There is nothing better than knowing him. And that is why opening scripture is so important. As we open scripture, we experience his character. We know his will. We find out our purposes. We connect with the living God. And if you struggle to read, that doesn't stop you experiencing God today. Read with another person. Study the Bible with a group. Listen to audio tapes. However you do it, engage with the pages of the Bible and you will know God better. You will hear him speaking. And sometimes we place less emphasis on, on reading the Bible because we want to chase an experience. You might love that times of worship. I've come to, I've come to church just to experience the, the, the beautiful songs. Now you might love great times of worship. But scripture must take authority over experience every single time. If we want to know God, we find it in scripture. Of course, experiences of God are powerful. But if you are experiencing things of God that cannot be explained or interpreted through this book, then I would suggest that you are not experiencing God. Because when God moves, he is always true to his word. And if you are seeking direction in your life, you want to know what God's purposes are. We sometimes get people who come to us and say, I just want to know what God wants me to do in my life. Or I want to know what God thinks about this. Start here, because God has already spoken. So firstly, we are committed to scripture. It has authority because of Jesus. And then we are committed to it because it reveals God to us. And then secondly, because it changes us. I'm sure if I asked you, what your favourite film was. Actually, let's do this. We've got a bit of time. Person next to you, tell them what your favourite film is. Go. Look, you know. Go. Go. Tell them what your favourite film is. Okay, get you back. Get you back. Get you back. Don't. Just one. Just one. So if I was to take the microphone round and ask what your favourite film was, I'm sure I would hear, may, however many people say, 180, 180 different films. Um, and although I, I definitely enjoy watching films, uh, I'm definitely no film buff. You know when people say about, talk about classic films that everyone's seen, I'm like, I don't, I don't even, I've never even heard of the film. Um, but there's many different reasons for favourite films. For me, myself, I... Like, I like Adam Sandler comedies because they tap into my 12-year-old boy 
humour. Um, I like sporting films like Remember the Titans or Coach Carter because I like those films where the sporting underdog uh, triumphs. Um, I like The Holiday and Love Actually because, well, who secretly doesn't? Um, many of my favourite films I've watched many, many times and to a point where I can actually probably recite the film, much to Rachel's annoyance when we're watching a film and I'm like already doing the scene, the next scene. I know you, there's those people you watch films with who just annoy you when they do that. And I can tell you what's going to happen. And I enjoy them. But after the first couple of times, I'm not surprised by anything that happens. I know what's going to happen. I know what's coming. I don't see anything new. If I read a book, for the first time, I'm gripped by the plot, trying to work out what's going to happen. But if I read the, the book again, it doesn't have the same effect as it did the first time. But when I come to the Bible, I don't know about you, but every time I read it, I find something new. Have you noticed that? I'm challenged and I'm provoked in a different way. Even those stories, uh, uh, parables that you learned maybe if you went to Sunday school. You, uh, you've heard them so many times, yet when you read them again, it challenges you in a different way. The pages of the Bible have the ability to convict one person, to challenge another, to encourage someone else. Why is that? Well, Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The Bible is no ordinary book, but it is the word of God which is alive and active. Steve mentioned that this morning already. And therefore, each time we engage with it, it has the ability to change us. Scripture reveals our motives, it challenges us, it encourages us, it provokes us, it teaches us, it judges, it convicts. As we read scripture, we submit our lives to what God has said, and then we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us to change us. God speaks, and when he speaks, he speaks with authority. And when God speaks, things happen. We see in creation, as I've already mentioned, we see God speaking and the world comes into existence. We see it in the early church in Acts. As the believers first preach scripture, it says the word of God continues to spread and to flourish. That is why we preach at Jubilee. Not because we are the world's greatest debaters of faith. Not because we believe we can persuade people. But we be because we believe that when the Holy Spirit is active, when God does something in people's hearts, when the word of God is spoken. That is why Paul could say in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Now that didn't mean that Paul didn't still preach. In fact, in Acts 12, we find that he preached all night and he preached so long that someone fell asleep and fell out of a window. Now that's not happened to me yet. Keep going for it though. He knew, Paul knew, God wasn't looking for a salesman to sell the gospel. He was looking for people who'd rely on God. God doesn't rely on the world's best teachers and speakers, but he uses the Holy Spirit to speak and to change us. And God is speaking. I don't want us to miss this. When we open scripture, God is speaking. The creator of all we see, the one who is in control, the one who is never taken by surprise, he is never ill-equipped. He is never scared. 
He is never hopeless. He is never absent. He never gets stressed. He is the one who is written in Isaiah 40, who has measured the waters of the hollows of his hand, or with the breadth of his hands marked off the heavens, who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on a scale and the hills in a balance, who can fathom the spirit of the Lord, or instruct the Lord as his counselor. I don't know who is your ultimate authority today. You might think it's your parents. You might think it's your school. You might think it's the debt collector or the drug dealer or the police. You may think it's your employer. You may think it's the government. You may think it's Donald Trump. You may think it's North Korea. God is above every authority in your life. Every nation is ultimately ruled by God, and it says in Psalm 22, 28, for the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over every nation. Such is his power that Isaiah could confidently proclaim of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this for him. So here's the thing. The one who has authority over everything. The one who has written his words down, who speaks to his people from this book, wants a relationship with you. Not a master and a slave. Not a a jailer and a criminal. Not an angry parent and a naughty child but an intimate father loving his sons and daughters. And in that relationship, he longs to speak. He longs to have an intimate relationship with you. He sees you as you are. He sees the mess you have made. He knows your deepest, darkest secrets. He knows the way you have rejected him, but he holds back nothing of his affection. To the point where he sends his only son, Jesus, to this earth, to live as a man and to die on a cross, to take the punishment that we deserved on himself so that we could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And if that wasn't enough, and it is, but if it wasn't enough, he then uses his authority to care for us, to change us, to guarantee an inheritance with, uh, for eternity with Jesus ruling as our King. And then he speaks through the pages of scripture. He reveals who he is, who we are, and the plan he has for us. And then he invites us into the story. He's an incredible, incredible deliverance. So I want to look, just as we finish, about what it means for us in practice to treat scripture as our first and final authority. And here, just a few suggestions. This isn't exhaustive. Um, I'm sure you could come up with your own. But this is what I thought about what it means for Scripture to have final authority for us as a church. Firstly, really simply, we preach Scripture. I've already spoken about it, but we prioritize the Word of God being spoken on Sundays, but also as we gather in small groups like Grow Kids. Secondly, we give it priority in our lives. Whether you can read or not, You need to give time to engage with God through scripture. Use audio tapes, use study notes, use meet up with others to read. Dedicate part of your day to reading scripture. Because as you do, 
you will feed yourself with the word of God, which will change you. Thirdly, it means we grapple with it. it it's not an easy read. I'm not, if you've not read this book, can't give you any other explanation. It's not an easy read. This is not going to be something that you're going to sit down this afternoon and you're going to read all the way through and suddenly understand it. It's not going to happen. It is not an easy read. It takes, to take, it takes time to work out what it means. It's a collection of 66 writings. And within those 66, there's many different genres. So we need to take time getting to know the purpose of the writing. How the original hearers would have heard it. What the context it was written into. We grapple with it. We take time to get to know this book. Fourthly, we learn how to apply it. When it comes to the Bible, I think there's three ways that we can approach it. And I've seen all three done. The first one is that we can, we can sort of take this book and we can say, well, it's a really old book, so I'll value it, but it has little, or relevant, little relevance to how I live now. So we ignore most of its teachings. That's the first extreme. The other extreme is that we take it all literally and we just say, well, we're just going to live our lives as this book says, straight, you know, as we were living in that moment. Or we just pick and choose the verses that we like. I'm sure we've all done that before. Or the third one, which is the healthy one, is that we can assume that all scripture is relevant for our faith and our practice, but we dedicate ourselves to study and reflection to work out how we apply it living in Hull in 2017. Learn to apply the Bible. If you don't understand what it means, spend time getting to know it. Ask someone who maybe can help to sit down and explain scripture to you. Number five is that we value scripture above every opinion. This is a big one. This is, this is big. Because honestly, most people will think it absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy living life by this book. We see it. Even, I, I, I grew up in the Church of England. The Synod, we saw that happen. We saw them value other people's opinions higher than Scripture. And when we value other people higher than Scripture, we, we, tr we try and be popular. We try and say opinions that will make us liked. That's not what Scripture does. It means that we value scripture above every opinion, even if it means that it's not popular what we say, even when it means that we face opposition. We are people who are called to be light into the darkness. And that means that we don't adapt. We don't adapt to become relevant. We're not called to be relevant as a church. We're called to be light into the darkness. And that means that we have a timeless message that a hopeless world needs to hear. The world's broken. It doesn't need relevance. It needs something. It needs light. And then number six out of that, we allow it to become the loudest and most influential voice in our lives. Following Jesus means that we have to give up everything to follow him. We have to submit our earthly desires. We have to submit our opinions and our feelings to the one who is king, who has authority over our lives. And that means that as we read this book, we must submit to it and be challenged. And when we read things that, that, that grind against us, when we read things where we go, oh, I don't really know if I believe that, we say, no, no, Jesus has authority, so I'm going to believe it. And we're going to be changed by it. Number seven, 
we allow ourselves to allow the flesh to be changed by it. James 1, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Otherwise, you are deceiving yourself. For anyone who hears the word but does not carry it out is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after observing himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and continues to do so, not being a forgetful hearer, but an effective doer, he will be blessed in what he does. And then number eight, wherever you land on any of this, when you open scripture, let it lead you nearer to Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself as one as, a, as sorry to God, as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, but handle correctly handles the word of truth. If engaging with Scripture doesn't make you more like Jesus, then you've missed something. You have come with the wrong motivations. We are not engaging Scripture to become more intelligent. We are not trying to do it to show off in front of others. We want to know God, so we can follow Jesus better and become more like Him. That is our goal when we open scripture. So I want to leave you with a challenge this morning. As we finish, I wonder if you would stand with me. I want to ask you this morning, is Jesus number one in your life? Is he the one you follow with your all? Is he the one you put before anything else? Because if he is, then you will follow scripture. You will look to him as your identity, for your authority, not elsewhere. Give yourself this morning to discovering who God is as he speaks through scripture. Allow the Holy Spirit to challenge and to change you as you open scripture and study it. And as we are changed, we become more like Jesus. We will demonstrate Jesus to those around us. We will take the message of hope that we have into a hopeless world and we will see the kingdom growing and changing in our city. Is Jesus number one in your life? Does he have authority? As we, as we answer that question, if it is yes, then let this book take number one authority, first and final authority in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we just... We just thank you that you want to speak to us. We're amazed, absolutely astounded today, God. One, that you would save us, but then you would desire a relationship with us. Knowing the mess we make, knowing how wrong we get it, you desire a relationship with us today. And you give scripture to us so that we can know you more. We can know you more and be changed. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much, that you welcome us in as we are, but you love us so much that you don't want us to stay the same. You want to change us. You want to transform us from one degree of glory to another. And Lord, I just pray today, may you, may that privilege of your word be deep in our hearts. May we leave this place astounded, astounded that you would want to speak to us, that you would want to speak to your people and intent and, and leave us intent on knowing you more through scripture, through spending time with you, by listening to your voice. And may we become changed as we do that. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you for all you are doing in our life, for the story of your goodness. 
and we pray our Lord today that you would have many more stories of how you have been good to us as we obediently follow you, having you as our authority over everything else in our lives. In your mighty name. Thank you so much for being as with here this uh, with us this morning. I hope you've been challenged <laughs> and go away changed and wanting to change. Please join us for prayer this week. So we're here Tuesday, 7.30, Wednesday at 12, Thursday at 7.30. Come and join with us as we engage with God together, seeking him and receiving from him. Please do stay uh, for coffee and get to know us a bit. Thank you so much for being with us here this morning.